Hello, everyone. We're glad you found us and welcome to our podcast at antiqueauctionforum.com. We hope you find this show entertaining and informative. This is Martin, and I'm in San Francisco with Paul Gil Martin, who is here for Sketchfest. Sketchfest, that's right. And how are you doing, Paul? I'm doing well. Good, thank you. And Paul is a stand-up comedian, and he's also on Dinner in a Movie. He's been on that since when? Since 1995. 1995. Yeah. And uh, I've watched that many times. Uh, Paul also makes Danish modern furniture. So, Paul, why don't you go into how you started making Danish modern furniture? Well, I started out woodworking in high school uh, and just loved it. The first time I walked into a shop, I w- it just felt like home. I loved the smell of it. Mm. I loved everything about it. But I didn't have any tools of my own. So when I graduated high school, you know, I didn't woodwork uh, again. Uh, flash forward to uh, 2003, I started doing some stuff around. I'm not handy, uh, <laughs> but I decided that I was going to fix up our bathroom a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I bought a couple of tools, and next thing I know, I had a couple more tools, and next thing I knew, I had a table saw, and next thing I knew, I you know, I transformed the uh, our garage into uh, a wood shop, and I started making basic stuff, cutting boards, mm-hmm. boxes, things like that. Um, but my real love of furniture is is Danish modern and that that round organic. Hmm. feel I, and I've always loved wood I've played guitar since I was 14 and I've always just been drawn to things that are beautiful and made out of wood but particularly um, uh, like the chairs of uh, Finn Jewel um, and uh, like uh, what, what is the chair the, the, the one that Hans Wegner made they call it the chair like NV45 or something or am I thinking of uh, uh, Finn Jewel but anyway it's the one that just has this one that Kennedy delivered his uh State of the Union address in it, it, it's it's just so clean and perfect. Yet it's mm-hmm. it's organic looking. It looks like somebody had to shape it by hand. And mm-hmm. so the the more techniques I learned in woodworking, the more I wanted to get away from the boxy kind of uh, stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, which is much more the rounded. Anything rounded is. Anyone that's ever done any woodworking, yes, is very difficult. Very difficult, um, and, and you know that's one of the things that, that amazes me about the furniture that they made back then is the scale that they produced it on. Just to do one, I mean, to get two arms to look alike on a chair, mm-hmm. and I haven't even progressed to chairs yet. Chairs I, I, are are extremely extremely difficult because yeah. there's so many compound angles, and mm-hmm. then you throw in the fact that you want stuff round as well. Um, so, uh, you know, I have furniture that inspires me and, um, I just kind of take what I, what I like from it. And a lot of times it's driven by something that I'll, I'll, I'll want for the house. I was, I'm always a little sad when Christmas is over cause the lights go away and I've always <laughs> loved that glow. Mm-hmm. And so I was sitting in, um, and I also love the glow of guitar amplifiers, how they mm-hmm. glow in the dark. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I thought, why don't I build furniture 
that glows. I love Japanese lights. Mm. So I came up with the idea of building Danish end tables where the front, instead of having a drawer or a space to store stuff, Mm -hmm. would be Japanese paper, and then the light would be housed inside of it. And that way, at night, watching TV with with the lights off, you'd have this kind of warm, ambient glow of your furniture. And so then I just kind of set out, well, what do I want them to, to look like? How, how do I make that? I had no idea how to make a lamp. So I had to learn how to do uh, all those things. But it was so satisfying when, uh, you know, a year later, I'm sitting in my living room and I go and I turn the, you know, the DVD cabinet, flick it on, and it, uh, you know, has this, this glow and... Mm-hmm. Uh, flick on the little end table and it's got this glow and it's a, it's a really satisfying thing that you know that's one of the things that i love about woodworking is the problem solving aspect of sure. it so you know that's kind of that's kind of where i'm at uh, today yeah. yeah now when you uh when you found out how to put lighting in was that i mean was that searching different ways to do that as far as the heat heat in the panel yeah yeah because i, I discovered quickly that incandescent doesn't work because it generates too much heat even mm-hmm. a low wattage one uh, but fortunately, compact uh, fluorescent bulbs were um, kind of coming on the scene, mm-hmm. and uh, or maybe they've been around for a while, but I had just become aware of them. And uh, they don't generate the heat that incandescent do, um, mm-hmm. and they're a lot more energy efficient too. So uh, so I put either those or LED lights in, mm-hmm. uh, in the stuff that I make. And uh, the, other, the other thing that excites me about the, uh, the end table um, – is the top comes off so you, so you can access the light to change it, but also the frame slides out, the wooden frame that the mm-hmm. light is behind, you know. Um, so you can put in different frame and paper combinations. Now, you make everything by hand. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I have machines. But, yeah, yeah, but I mean, yeah. it's not, there's no, like, jigs or, um, or things like that. But you also um, use solid woods, no no uh, plywood. No, I don't. I don't. Uh, I have built stuff with plywood, and you know, I'm sure I will build stuff with plywood again. But mm-hmm. um, they're it's a lot easier. Uh, yeah, plywood is e- easier, but it, it has a kind of a soulless quality because you can't round it. Yeah. Because everything has to be 90 degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing, and I'm sure you know this, being in antiques, is plywood. Your great-grandchildren are not going to get to enjoy furniture made out of plywood because that veneer, um, the veneers that they make nowadays yeah. are one, you know, 64th of an inch or, you know, one thirty-second of an inch. Mm-hmm. So you get a ding on that and uh, and that's done. Yeah. You know, the, when I make a, a table out of a, you know inch and a half thick slab of Clara Walnut, you know, when I mm-hmm. drop it off at the person's house that I made it for, they're, you know, they're always nervous about you know, scratching it, or and mm-hmm. I say, no, this is this is meant to be used, and mm-hmm. if you ever need it refinished, the great thing is I could just take a, a sander to it and and, yeah. and refinish it. That's right. You don't have to worry about going through the veneer. Yeah, and, they, and some of my favorite woodworkers were that way about their furniture too. They weren't they weren't precious about uh, about it. They wanted it to be utilitarian. Uh, Sam Maloof is is one um, great American woodworker. His stuff's in the Smithsonian. Mm. Um, his rockers go for about, uh, that's kind of his signature piece. His rockers go for like $40,000. Mm. Um, and, uh, George Nakashima was oh, yeah. my other, uh, my other favorite. Yeah. I was just, uh, just talking about him in a podcast, uh, that's up just now. Yeah. His stuff really, really inspired me. There's really some amazing things. Yeah. And when I first, very first came to California, I very first started working in an auction house. Uh-huh. I walked into a place that was a loaded 
with Nakashima. Wow. And I had no idea what it was. Yeah. And they told me. They said, well, the Nakashima furniture is not going anywhere. It's, it's, it's already, you know, spoken for, but everything else was for sale. But so when I went back to the auction gallery and I told them, I said, this stuff was like big slabs and it's really cool. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I found out quickly what it, what it is. And, yeah. and then the owner of the auction gallery was on me constantly to go back and try to get the furniture. Yeah. Out of those people. Oh, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody, it's beautiful. it sounds kind of cheesy, but nobody honors the tree the way George Nakashima yeah. does. Nobody, yeah. um, you know, we live in such an industrialized world where everything looks like it was spit out by a machine. When I, there's something really soothing to me about sitting in my living room and looking over at my coffee table, which is a, you know, slab of uh, wood mm -hmm. and it has the three, four edges. Um, and just knowing that it's made by hand. Yeah. Now I've heard that uh, Nakashima took like years sometimes looking at a piece of wood to use. Someone else said that earlier, and I had also heard that someone in Oakland that had a piece, there was a Civil War bullet in the bottom side. Oh, really? Yeah, it was still in the bottom side of the table. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've come across nails and stuff that I made. I made stuff out of camphor. A friend of mine in Los mm -hmm. Angeles uh, had a camphor tree that died, and um, so... I was like, well, let me, you know, can I have some of the wood? And he was like, sure. So I dried it for two years yeah, and uh, uh -huh. and then made some stuff out of it. But, uh, you know, I came across a, a a nail that had obviously been in the tree when the tree was young because yeah, it had grown around, around it. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think almost every woodworker um, has this obsession with wood um, because there, there are so many varieties of wood, and each one – has its own pluses and minuses, mm -hmm. um, and they they all have their own personality, and some are really expensive. So, like I have a slab of Cuban mahogany, you know, as you know, mm -hmm. Cuban mahogany was what you know uh, Chippendale made his furniture out yeah. of, and it was harvested to the point of extinction. So you really can't get any anymore unless um, somebody. Uh, a tree falls in Florida, then you can you can get it. Or mm -hmm. if uh, somebody has tears something down that was that was made out of it, and apparently during Hurricane Andrew or something, this bar washed up on on shore, mm -hmm. and it's this three inch thick, six foot long, fourteen inch wide slab of Cuban mahogany that I I don't know if I'll ever feel like I'm a good enough woodworker <laughs> to use it for something, but mm -hmm. I totally get that that that. Yeah. Having certain pieces of wood, and that to yeah. me, that's the fun when you start a project. Is you know that's kind of your palette. Is so. Mm -hmm. I love the days when I just kind of walk around the wood shop and I look at the different slabs of wood and think, what do I what do I want to make this table out of? What what mm -hmm. would be an interesting combination? Mm -hmm. um, especially if it's a wood you've never worked with before, and yeah. suddenly you're like, wow, this thing's destroying my drill bit or my my yeah. saw blade. Well, camphor wood is has a real strong odor. It's. Fantastic. I would, in exactly. fact, when I would go into the shop, I would purposely sand a little of it just so mm -hmm. I could get that yeah that well, I mentholated odor. I, I like walnut. I like working with walnut. Yeah. I've, I've done a, a bit of woodworking. And why don't you tell, uh, you use some unusual exotic woods in, in your furniture. Um, I do. I do. I, I, the More recently, I've tried to be more uh, conscientious about whether or not the wood is sustainable. Um, when I first started woodworking, I didn't really think about that, and I just bought 
mm-hmm. all the stuff that I thought was cool. Um, so I mostly, if I'm going to buy something new nowadays, I'll mostly stick with North American hardwoods. I'll you know, stick with mm-hmm. maple and walnut and oaks and, and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. um, East Indian rosewood I love. Mm-hmm. It's uh it's beautiful. It, it's so beautiful. Mm. And it's an oily wood, so it's kind of mm. difficult to um, um, to finish. There's mm. you got to seal it to make sure. I didn't know that the first time I made something out mm. of it. And all of a sudden, all this resin or oil started coming mm-hmm. to the surface and blotched up my uh, my finished job. You, you know, you learn so much by... Uh, by screwing up. Trial and error. Yeah, trial yeah. and error. But uh, East Indian rosewood I love. I uh, happened to pick up a bunch of uh, rejected guitar necks that Fender didn't want because really? they were either too small or there was a ding in it or something. So I've got mm-hmm. this huge stack of uh, um, fretboard size really? East Indian rosewood. So I like to accent stuff with it when uh, when I can. Now, have you tried any type of inlay? Have you? Have you? Yes. Yeah. Actually, that's one of the woods I used. Mm-hmm. Um, the bar that my the first big project I built when I was eighteen uh, for my final project in cabinet making class was a bar because I figured I'm going to college next year. Mm-hmm. What's the one piece of furniture <laughs> I'm definitely going to need? And uh, portable bar. A portable bar. Uh, oh, but I made so many mistakes on it. You know, I had the grain oriented the wrong way, so you know it split in the in the corners. Mm-hmm. But uh, the top I made out of red oak, and uh, after it being around for twenty years, soaking up all kinds of stains and stuff, I thought, let me let me send this through the planer. And that's one of my favorite things to do is refinishing stuff for people. Mm-hmm. You know, something out of solid wood and the top of it's all nasty. And you send it through the planer, and it is like a brand new piece of wood that just mm-hmm. came from the lumber yard. Mm-hmm. And that's where I tried my first uh, inlay. I inlaid some, uh, I think, Paduke and um, and East Indian rosewood uh, into it. But very, very simple kind of inlay. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not very. Uh, um, I don't have much proficiency uh, as far as inlay. As long as it's kind of straight and square, I can do yeah. it. Well, it's very, very difficult when you get into any type of, you know, marquetry or anything. Oh, my God. I have so much respect for those guys. They are are obsessed, the guys that do that. You have to be because the amount of detail and patience, Mm -hmm. that to me, that is the most important quality in in woodworking um, is patience because almost Mm -hmm. every really bad mistake I've ever made was because I couldn't wait for the product to be finished. Yeah. I did restoration for years and enjoyed doing that a lot just working with the woods and uh, always had a particular hard time finding out what type of finish on yes. certain pieces is right some works on some yeah. and some doesn't work on another right and yeah. if it's a period piece and you want to do an orange shellac right you want to make it look period and then you have to tell the people you can't put anything wet on it right so what do you use for uh, finishes generally um usually tongue oil and some type oh, of yeah. polyurethane mm-hmm. um there's also a thing called good stuff that's a synthetic oil, and it has uh, polyurethane in it, and you just rag it on. comes in, in tins, mm-hmm. and um, I've, uh, I've been using that a lot, and it's also food safe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I make a lot of uh, cutting boards for friends and for oh, gifts yeah. and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. the good stuff works, uh, w- works really good for that. Uh, but I'm always trying something different. I've done some lacquer. Not, I can't spray in my shop because yeah. my shop's too dirty. Yeah, uh, you really need to have a pristine booth. 
yeah, a spray booth in a pretty pristine environment. So that's why I stick with, um, you know, using a hand rubbed oil oil finish but yeah. that to me is my favorite part of, of building something you know I mm-hmm. call my wife out there after I put the first coat of finish on it because yeah. it just well it brings out the the, the grain yeah. yeah it's so amazing and the more yeah. coats you put you know the more clarity it, uh, it yeah. gets yeah. the other thing I discovered is grain looks different if you hand plane something as opposed to sand it because the ends of the fibers of wood, instead of being mashed by the rocks and the sandpaper and being frayed at the ends, they're cleanly cut. So it actually looks more radiant. Really? So do you do some hand planing? I do. I do. Really? It took me about a year to learn how to even sharpen uh, hand planes. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, for highly figured woods, they're good. Um, I also use a card scraper. Which, oh, yeah. I know uh, what that is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's great to use for highly figured woods because otherwise you get what they call tear out, which I'm sure mm-hmm. you you're familiar with. The other the other cool advance in woodworking is um, is uh, insertable carbide um, cutting heads instead of it being one long knife across the planer or joiner, mm-hmm. which is incredibly loud. Um, it's a spiral head with a bunch of indexed little, like the size of your thumbnail, um, carbide heads that has a hole for a, a screw through the center of it. So really only a couple of inches of, of blade are touching the wood at one time. So you and I could be having a conversation in the wood shop right now while something is going through the planer. It's that it's that much more quiet. And because, wow. because of... Uh, I don't know if it's the angle that the, it attacks the wood at or because it's carbide and it can be so much sharper. Um, it doesn't tear out wood um, like the old style mm-hmm. uh, joiner and planer knives used mm-hmm. to. Wow. Used to do. But sometimes, like I said, I like to use a, a, a hand tool um, for stuff. But mm-hmm. I don't know how they did it back in you know the pre-industrial revolution. It's... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Those guys must have been so talented. Well, I, supp- I suppose you know you were an apprentice for five years before you were even allowed to work on oh, on stuff. Oh, sure. Um, you may work on a drawer or something. Yeah. Now, I, I know personally a friend of mine uh, made a copy of the Brown Secretary. The Brown Secretary was a Chippendale, Rhode Island piece. It was mm-hmm. the most expensive piece of furniture ever sold. It sold for $12 million. Oh, my God. Uh, all the people in the country, they chose Alan Breed to make the exact copy for the family. Really? Um, and he said he lived with the piece while he was making it. Yeah. And he made the exact copy, and he said he kept scratching his head, how did they do this? Yeah. How did they do this? Because of all, you know, all the, not just all the secret compartments and everything, but the construction of it was yeah. just amazing. Just to get a board flat using hand tools mm-hmm. is oh, yeah. incredibly difficult. Oh, you think of the pit sawing all the way through the... You know the hand planing, and you know, yeah. and and it has to be dried like right, like you talked about. Yes, you know, what I mean? and and then you have to stop and sharpen the blade. You know, mm-hmm. every half hour, hour, if, yeah. you, if you want it to really cut and not tear at the wood. Right, right. You know, and so do you. As far as the joints, what type of joints do you use like rabbit joints? Um, I I love mortise and tenon. Um, really, wow. yeah. Nice. Um, the, the 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 other thing that I like about mortise and tenon, and sometimes I'll pin them. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes I leave them free so that um, the the wood can expand. If you look yeah. at the the table, uh, the end table that I made, um, 
that has the Japanese lamp in it. Mm -hmm. um, what supports that top piece is a, uh, a cross piece uh, that goes into the side through mortise and tenon, and it's not glued. And that's specifically because the top piece is so wide, it's like, I don't know, maybe uh, 15 inches wide. Mm -hmm. um, it's so, when that expands and contracts, mm -hmm. um, it it will go with it. It won't yeah. it won't tear at the at the wood. Yeah, a lot of times. Uh, oh, by the way, everyone, uh, handshapedfurniture.com is the website where you'll see images of Paul's furniture. Uh, I made tables myself mm -hmm. years ago, and I, what I would do is I would take uh, attic um, floorboards uh -huh. out, out of colonial houses, and I'd hand plane them. Oh my! And um, I made uh, harvest tables. And, and I'd use a maple base, and I'd use new wood on the base, uh -huh. and uh, taper legs, and uh, um, I'm trying to think of what it's called, finger joints. Yes, I and, love and finger joints. In the fin finger yeah. joints. But what I found out really quickly without even thinking is I was fastening my top with glue, which is really, really not yeah. smart yeah. because it moves. Yes. And so, you know, I found out I had one of my own tables in my house, and I found out that I had to go back to all the tables. Yes. And take them apart uh -huh. and give them breathing room with the screws yep. and, uh, so they could expand and contract. Yeah. So. <laughs> you learn. Yeah. You live and learn. And they make this great little piece now called a figure eight that um, I'm not going to try to describe it, but it allows for, it's a little piece of hardware you put underneath. Oh, yes, yeah, I know exactly. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. they it screws down on the on the apron, yeah. and it screws onto the top, like a, yeah. it's shaped like a figure eight. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it's two screws, so it can yeah. it can move. Yeah, it can pivot. Yeah. That's a yeah. good idea. Yeah. yeah. So, is there anything in particular you're thinking that you want to make they haven't tried yet? A chair. Yeah. Uh, you know, I look at uh, mid-century modern chairs, and it it's just so beautiful, and it's so. Mm -hmm. um, you just you want to have it, but you know I don't want to spend nine thousand dollars for a chair. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I also I don't even know where to begin to make the the, the chairs the way those guys did. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm going to try. Now, have you ever bought something and tried to copy what they they do as far as the work goes? I haven't. The the closest that I came was when I was designing the the end table and the DVD cabinet that I built was um, I took the Danish chairs that I have, and I liked some of the curves mm -hmm. on them. So when I made the template for the parts, um, I used I took the chair apart, and I used some of the curves for it. And I also mm -hmm. measured how thick that wood was, because just the difference of an eighth of an inch in the wood you use completely changes it. It can make it look clunky, or it can make it look organic and, sure. and beautiful and perfectly proportioned. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I found out that uh, seven-eighths is, is a really nice mm -hmm. thickness for, um, mm -hmm. for legs. Yeah. Now, have you ever tried a lathe? I have not. Uh, I, well, I take that back. When I was a kid, a neighbor had one. But mm -hmm. um, my garage that I do my woodworking in mm -hmm. is pretty small, mm -hmm. and... Um, it's just that I just don't have enough room, and I don't have enough desire to do bowls and legs. And sure. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of um, uh, spindled legs. Mm -hmm. But uh, they, I've seen a, I've seen some I like, but um, I see way more legs that I hate than legs mm -hmm. that I like. Mm -hmm. And 
most of the legs that have been done on lathes, I'm, I'm not a, a huge fan of. Yeah. Now, does your, does your wife mind not having a garage? No, she jokes. She yeah. jokes about, you know, because sometimes I'll go, hey, can you put this away? You know, this thing that's been out on the table. And she'll be like, really? <laughs> you have a recording studio and a woodworking studio. <laughs> and you're going to, I'm all right, I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. So you record there as well? Yeah, I record music and I've done some comedy uh, CDs mm-hmm. uh, in there. Yeah. Yeah. Briefly, I just want to talk on this podcast about one of your characters that I get a lot sure. of amusement out of is uh, Representative Richard Martin. Mm-hmm. That's when I first uh, heard you, although I've seen you on dinner in a movie for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, where did you come up with that skit? Um, it was 2004, and uh, I was at, at a, a, a club in L.A., and I was like the third comedian in a row, that, and this was when Bush was in his first term. Mm-hmm. I was like the third comedian in a row that got up and went on the same diatribe about the Bush administration. Mm-hmm. And I got off stage and I was like, what can I do that's different? How can I voice these opinions that I have that's different? And then I thought, why don't I become the guy? Yeah. Because I know these guys. I grew yeah. up with them. I golf with them. You know, some of them are my friends. <laughs> I know how they dress. I know how they walk. I know yeah. the language they use. Yeah. And... Uh, so I went to an open mic and uh, around the corner from my house, and I, I knew exactly how this guy dressed. I went to Joseph Banks, got all the clothes, and I had some friends uh, come with me. And it was kind of a rough um, open mic night, and I almost bailed um, because nobody was listening to the comedians. Uh-huh. And the little voice in my head said, just try it. Yeah. Then you'll never know if you don't try. Yeah, yeah. And so I went up, and literally within 10 seconds of being on stage, you could hear a pin drop. <laughs> because there was no Stephen Colbert yet, you know, and, yeah. and Jon Stewart was while he was there, it, you know, it, it, it hadn't really kind of reached the, the fevered pitch that it, that it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, you could see it was cathartic for these people, you know, and they got it right away. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was... It was really fun because it, it was like I had come up with a, a my picket sign yeah. in a way that was fun for me because I've always loved subtle satire. Mm-hmm. Um, Spinal Tap to me is one of the greatest pieces of comedy uh, of the of the twentieth century. Um, it, the the satire, you know, to me the ultimate compliment is that people think that my character is real. That uh, it's a real Congress. Uh, and they do. And they do. Yeah. And to me, that tells you, if you're doing satire, that tells you that you're doing a good job. Yeah. I was, uh, just uh, just for our listeners, uh, uh, I have another podcast I do that Paul was on as Representative Richard Martin. And uh, as that played for only a few days, I got an email from someone that was kind of irate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My my manager, uh, his the guy that answers his phones, uh, said to me the other day. Said if I had a nickel for every time somebody called asking whether or not you're real, <laughs> would they vote for you or not? Yeah. <laughs> you never know. I, well, I get people that hate me that don't get it, and I get people that love me that don't know it's it's fake. Oh, you're kidding? Oh, I get all kinds. Really? Yeah, and then I get people that get it and don't like it, and yeah. I get people that get it yeah. and love it. So Jeez. I get... You may want to run for office. Just get the full spectrum, yeah. 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 Well, getting back um, getting back to Danish Martin, what what, uh, what made you fall in love with it initially, the, just the design of Danish Martin? That it looked like a human being made it. And not, uh-huh. a, and not a machine. Yeah. Um, that it looked like 
I think it looks like bones almost. A, a really cool Danish modern chair, like especially Finn Jules. His just the way things, their the proportions and the I don't know the, what the right word is. The the organic quality of it. It looks like it comes from nature and and mm-hmm. not from uh, a computer. Yeah. Or you know a industrialized machine. And and the woods they use, they you know they oh, yes. were using great woods, uh, teak and yeah. Brazilian rosewood, which sadly has become uh, pretty much extinct now. But right. there's still a ton of ton of great woods. I I think you were talking about walnut earlier. I still think uh, walnut is a fantastic wood to mm-hmm. uh, to work with. And uh, out here in California, we have a Clara walnut, which is especially uh, beautiful. Mm. It has its own peculiar kind of. Uh, uh, grain patterns and colors, and you get some purples and really, really cool stuff. Now, when I was uh, talking to a guitar maker, he said Martin Guitar uh, bought the last um, legal Brazilian rosewood there yeah, was. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> but but you don't need, uh, I think, uh, East Indian rosewood or ebony are just as, as good for a guitar fretboard. Although ebony is actually probably just as scarce, if yeah. not more scarce, than Brazilian rosewood. Yeah. But um, they're growing on plantations. They're growing East Indian rosewood mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. teak and a lot, of these, a lot of these other woods. Now, have you used teak at all? Yeah. Yeah, I have. Actually, I built a uh, bath tray for my wife so she can set her candle and her, you know, mug of coffee or tea and read her book in the bath. All right. And, um, Jeez, I want one of those. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I actually have started using it. It's, it's, it's pretty yeah. nice. And, you know, the great thing about teak is it gets wet and it doesn't matter. That's right. And yeah. this, in this piece, mm-hmm. I have yet to see um, in a store, uh, I didn't know what I had when I bought it, but it must have been Burmese teak. Because there's a quality to Burmese teak that you do not get in in other teaks. There's a chocolatey color to it, and a, and a, a darkness to the veins and the and the grain that uh, Burmese teak has. And uh, this piece is just the most beautiful, beautiful piece of teak. I just wish I had a huge slab of it because I would love to make some furniture out of it. Yeah. Now, do you go to uh a certain place to buy your woods? I go I go all over. There mm-hmm. are places in uh, Los Angeles that I go to, but uh, a lot of places I, I shop on the web. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Because, I would never think of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. because... And they ship it? Or? Yeah, and their overhead is so much less than a uh, brick-and-mortar store in Los Angeles. Wow. Um, so I order stuff from uh, Northern California and Oregon uh, quite mm-hmm. frequently frequently uh, especially because if you're using a, a wood like maple or clara walnut the tree was felled probably 20 miles from you know where the, the lumber yard is mm-hmm. so you're you're getting better prices on it there's some fantastic places out there to to get uh, get wood from uh, ebay i've had some so-so kind of experience oh yeah i bought a lot of wood on ebay wow. but Sometimes people don't know what they have. Sure. You know, somebody sent me, um, they said that it was Cuban mahogany, mm-hmm. and it arrived, and it was not. It was Honduran mahogany, oh. which is still a beautiful wood, but, but nowhere near, no, nowhere near the, the rarity of Cuban yeah. mahogany. So I that, really like Santa Domingan mahogany. 
I, I don't know if I've seen that. It's what they made a lot of Chippendale uh, furniture with. As a matter of fact, we we're talking about the piece of furniture in my car. Uh -huh. The first thing I did was when I lifted the top, it's a card table, lifted the top, I felt how heavy it is, and I know yeah. right away it was Santa Domingo yeah. mahogany. Have you, have you ever... Uh, it's the heaviest mahogany. It is. Very, very heavy. Yeah. Have you ever come across the, the wood Ipe? I-P-E is how it's spelled. It's Brazilian hardwood that's mm -hmm. now replacing teak for decking. Really? It is the heaviest, strong... It's rated 40 years underwater. Wow. It's like ironwood or something? It's, it, it's amazing. Apparently, there's a lot of silica and it, it absolutely destroys your your cutting tools. Um, you have to diamond tip everything. Yeah, you, you pretty much do. But it will if you build a deck, your great great grandchildren will walk on that deck. Wow! And it will have not moved an inch. Wow! Yeah, it's amazing. Wow! Well, it's much better using something like that for and then instead of this the treated the treated stuff is yeah you don't you know who knows what's in that chemicals, yeah you know yeah and there are woods too that that are dangerous on their own um, yeah I use Wengi. Uh, an African hardwood for breathing it's, in while you're milling it. Yeah, and I was um, my eyesight got a little blurry, and oh, uh, a couple of months later, I was reading that uh, it can cause giddiness and visual disturbances. Well, giddiness you already have. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, wow, you know you, you got to be careful in redwood. I didn't know how dangerous redwood was for uh, inhaling. It's it's it is, huh? yeah. yeah. Well, dangerous might not be the you don't want to be. Uh, around uh, redwood sawdust uh, for for a long time, breathing it in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I kept thinking I was getting a cold every time, and then I started to realize, oh, it's every time I work with redwood. Boy, I bet you would like to work with redwood too, wouldn't you? I mean, being in California. Yeah, red. Well, redwood is good for certain things. It's great for uh, fences, mm -hmm. um, as long as they don't have to bear any t type of uh, uh, large weight. Mm -hmm. um, it's good for unless it's really thick, right? Slide. Even if it's thick, it doesn't hold screws that well unless oh. the, unless the this screw is going the direction that gravity is. Mm -hmm. If it's perpendicular to where gravity is, um, and and there's a lot of weight, it's a it's not a good it's not a good uh, um, choice of woods because that screw will start to loosen. Like oh. for a gate, mm -hmm. it's it's um, I don't think it's a really good choice for a, a heavy swinging gate because mm -hmm. it'll it'll start to pull pull out of the screws. Mm -hmm. But there's a ton of other woods that are that are just fantastic. Yeah. Now I would have never ever thought you could buy wood on eBay for one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why don't they sell? And it's funny, you know, the way the world is today. It's like, why wouldn't wood be online? Absolutely. Why wouldn't it be on eBay? And yeah. Yeah. There is nothing like that feeling when um, uh, a big piece of wood that you ordered arrives, or a piece <laughs> of furniture. Mm -hmm. I have a. Um, Credenza, I think it's the, is it a credenza? A little side table that that, that has a little thing uh, in the top where you could put plants, and uh, there's a little three little drawers off to the side. Um, hmm. But it's made out of Brazilian rosewood, and I saw it online somewhere, and I bought it, and uh, just love it. It just has that that mid-century look, where just the proportions, everything about it is just just hmm. beautiful. And I and I kind of wanted to have. Something made out of uh, Brazilian rosewood. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the other thing I love about making furniture is if you make it with good quality solid wood and good craftsmanship, mm -hmm. it's going to last a lifetime and more. Yeah, and most people don't understand that. They, you know, when they go to buy at IKEA, they think they're saving money, but they're not because you're going to have 
10 IKEA coffee tables in your lifetime, mm-hmm. if you bought one solid, well-crafted yeah. piece of furniture yeah. in your 20s, you would have it for your entire life, and it would cost way less than yeah. all the IKEA ones that fall apart. That's right. You know, many, many times on this podcast, I've ragged on IKEA. Yeah. And, um, one of them is, and, and no offense to IKEA yeah. lovers out there, but yeah. one of the things is uh, a moving company, most moving companies will not move IKEA furniture yeah. because it falls apart. Yeah, it does. It's, so, it, it, it. so why not invest in something? And you're talking about a lifetime. I, I think many yeah. lifetimes. Yes. When it's something well-crafted and handmade. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at the 1950s stuff that's going to be around for mm-hmm. 200 years more, probably. Yeah. You know. And you can make stuff that's collapsible um, with uh, wedged mortise and tenon. Yeah. Um, let me show just you this. Just pop it apart and yeah, uh, just, just pop that wedge out of the tenon. Yeah, yeah the yeah. one of the pieces I have in my garage um, is is that mm-hmm. way. So if I yeah. need to break it down, like a trestle table or anything yeah. like that. They, exactly. they, uh, in Europe, they've uh, they had things pop apart because of the stairways and things. You know, yeah, for for centuries. So. Yeah, I was in a lumberyard once, and it. it uh, had a sign that said, you only have to pay for quality once. Yeah. And I like that. That's a nice phrase. Yeah. I think on that we probably should end. That's right. <laughs> All right, everyone. This is Martin Willis with Paul Gilmartin, and we're signing off.